0: good day welcome to episode 57 the Aaron Wayne podcast oh yeah here we go feels good to be back in it got a new microphone got a new podcast recorder it's a zoom no big deal hope you guys are doing well I'm a dad I'm almost a month into this this dad life thing in fact uh, it's about one in the afternoon now, baby had a snack and a nap and I started recording a podcast a couple hours ago, uh, trying to get it done first thing in the morning. And, uh, I got about 15 minutes into it. It was a crap podcast anyway, cause I haven't done this in two months, but the podcast was cruising and then I hear some hollering upstairs and some baby crying. So I went to check it out. Turns out my baby pooped all over my wife my wife so (laughs) that's the things man that's um you know people gave a lot of advice to us before we started having kids and uh before we had our kid we may or may not have another kid i think we might stick with one and kind of see how things go but you know people give a lot of advice they say you're not gonna sleep and um this that this that And we've been grooving, man. I'm on paternity leave right now. Being a public school teacher, it's really nice because they um, are pretty gracious with um, how leave goes. So I'm grateful for that. I've taken um, five weeks, one week for like, yeah. And then I'm leaving uh, a week on the table in case I need that. But yeah, so I'm home, kicking it. Katie is... uh, Home until mid February, which like that is ideal. She's gonna be here for um, several months, which is awesome. But that creates a situation where you know we're like learning. We're getting a chance to learn things. Like we've met with the pediatrician twice, and she gave us a great advice on like feeding and diaper changing, like timing that because um, right now Katie's uh, breastfeeding and. You know, she'll fall asleep before she switches to the other side. Uh, the baby will. Not Katie. But uh, just trying to keep the baby awake. Just, like, different strategies. We've just been, like, picking different things up. And um, it's been cool, man. It's been a real, like, awesome learning process. And she's starting to smile and laugh. And it's kind of far out. That's really cool, man. The, um, the labor of... The labor of my wife, my wife, the process of having a baby, you don't realize how much of that is like sit and wait. And we got to the hospital at like 6 a.m. She was kind of grooving for a while. Uh, They started to uh, speed up the labor with um, oxytocin, which I think is just a uh, lab derived oxytocin and we thought oh they're you know starting this process is we got two hours until we have a baby that was what we thought what we didn't realize is we were still like 14 hours away from having a baby 12 hours away from having a baby so katie was in active labor for 10 to 12 hours which is just like a like active active labor is just a certain amount of uh centimeters uh dilated and you know, back to the advice, people often give advice, people often give advice to uh, new parents and you don't realize that they're trying to articulate something that is almost like completely ineffable. It's like, you can't really describe the experience. And I've been trying, I've been writing, I've been thinking, I've been trying to figure out how to articulate uh, some of these ideas of uh, parenthood and fatherhood specifically. But the one thing that I can articulate clearly is the labor process because people say, you know, um, you know, women are, you you don't realize how strong your, your partner is until you see her go through labor. And that is definitely true. Um, I, Katie and I have been together for 20 years nearly and Seeing that process was it can it fundamentally shifted the way that I think about my wife. She was in active labor for like like I said like ten or twelve hours, but really the the action is more condensed than that. And she was pushing for three and a half hours. So if you if you if you've never like seen been a part of the process of a baby being born, you know. We get this idea from media that it's a, um, you know, an hour, 30 minutes, something like that. And for a lot of women, it is. Katie pushed for three and a half hours. And then another idea that we get, or at least I had my head from seeing movies and stuff is it's a, it's sort of like, okay, three, two, one, push. And then you do that and you kind of just push and then baby comes out. What you don't realize, and I at least I didn't realize, is that the actual like pushing process is like doing 10 second long intervals of squeezing every muscle in your body. So like, if you were to listening to this right now, squeeze every muscle, you can like Katie's face was puffy. That's how much musculature she was using. She was using every muscle in her body for 10 seconds, full clench for four reps, every five minutes for three and a half hours. It's insane. Like the average marathon time for like someone who's not an elite athlete, I think, is roughly four hours. Um someone who's really fit could do a three and a half hour marathon, but that's just like a slow sustained pace. It's not as hard as you can and then relax, and then as hard as you can and then relax. And the breaks in between each of those like 10 second intervals is just enough time to take your breath out and back in. Um it was incredibly impressive it was so far out to see um another thing they don't tell you is that epidurals are really freaky (laughs) like especially with my um awareness of anatomy uh because of yoga the and i was talking to the doctor after she gave the epidural and i was just like curious like are you going here are you going there she ended up uh after the baby was born she ended up showing me some graphics that she had on her phone she had an anatomy app not an anatomy app and uh she showed me like where the epidural goes in but it's uh it's not a gimme you know what i mean it's definitely a, a tense process i think that was you know the probably the second most intense part of the entire labor which was just getting the epidural in Um, so Katie pushed for like three and a half hours. Turns out my baby's got a big old noggin, just like her daddy. So, um, she ended up having to get an unplanned C-section after three and a half hours, which like wasn't part of our game plan. We were aware because a a good friend of ours used to be a labor and delivery nurse. And so she sort of coached us like, this is what will happen if you have an unplanned C-section. And so, you know, it wasn't completely foreign to us, like what would happen, um like how it would go. But you know, they're like, all right, sign this sign these papers and dad, here's your scrubs. Meet us in the lobby in thirty minutes and um we'll take you back. And then, you know, Katie's uh they take me into the room. Katie's like on the table, has like a blue sheet so that she and I can't see the actual surgery because um it's, it's a legit surgery. It's like a pretty far out surgery. Um, and you can learn more about that if you want to, if you go online. But um, it is, it's it's a proper surgery. It took her two weeks to fully recover from it. So she um, was on the table and I was like, I walked in, scrubbed up. Actually, I was, I was wearing this shirt now that I look at myself in the camera. How about that? Hmm. Serendipity. And, um... You know, I'm talking her through it. It was a highly emotional event. And then we're just kind of talking to each other. I'm trying to keep her cool. Just chatting. I was freaking out. But um, I think that Katie and I have been together, like I said, for 20 years. And I have a real capacity to, like, understand when she's uh, worried about something. And I don't think that she can tell when I am or I'm not worried And so I was able to be calm, even though on the inside I was like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Um, And then, you know, we're talking, next thing you know, we hear a baby crying. And it was such an intense experience. It was such a relief Um, after all of the the work and then the fear of, you know, a C-section, like what could go right, what could go wrong. And then you hear the baby crying the first time I ever, I, you know, someone can correct me. Um, I think none of my friends listen to this podcast, but whatever, if you're one of my friends and I have helped your infant, uh, text me and say like, Hey, no Rico, you have, you helped my baby. I don't remember ever having held an infant before. And they take Eleanor, our daughter to the table, clean her up, cut her umbilical cord, which I was stoked to do. In fact, the midwife said, um, she was like, dad, do you want to cut the umbilical cord? I was like, hell yeah. And then, uh, later on I was like in the process with Katie during the, uh, pushing and she was like, do you want to catch her like the baby? And I was like, yes, that would be crazy. I've made that joke in the past, like to Katie, oh, when we have kids, I'm going to be the one catching the baby. And, um, if I hadn't bred a baby with such a massive noggin, uh, that would have been on the car, in the cards, but they bring the baby over to me, and I, I like I said, I don't think I've ever held an infant before, and she's all wrapped up and swaddled, and uh, your boy, your boy is a swaddle king these days, um, because for the first, like, two days we were in the hospital, I think we were there for three nights, I believe. You know, Katie was, she had a major abdominal surgery, so she couldn't, like, pick the baby up out of the bassinet and like so I was I was real hand, I was the hands-on character in the for the first couple days and so I really learned swaddling and I actually stole a couple of blankets from the hospital because I liked their swaddle blankets don't tell anybody but now we don't even use swaddle blankets we use velcro swaddles which I didn't know it was a thing that existed but it does and they're the best so if you're a new parent they're planning on having kids, or if you have a friend who's about to have kids, Velcro swaddles. You might not even know what that is. Just Google it and buy it, because that's what they want. The hell was I talking about? Oh, yeah. Uh, so they bring they bring my baby over to me. And Katie is, like, you know, effectively, like, temporarily paralyzed from the neck down. So she really couldn't do anything. So I was, like, holding the baby at, like, an angle so that they could see one another. Um, but, yeah, it was pretty intense... Labor experience. It was um. It was pretty far out to. Like be a part of that and to see how that goes. It was beautiful. That's why parents like don't know how to describe it. Is because you can't. You really can't describe it. Um. I also think that. Fa- how do I say this? There's so little that's expected of fathers, in our culture. Um. Which boggles my mind um and i think that it leaves men worse off it leaves women worse off and it leaves babies worse off worse off i think that th- the amount that we expect from fathers is so minimal um in fact even during the labor so when when katie was laboring i you know nurses are coming in and out and this is before the active like this is the baby we're trying to get her out right now. It was during like, we're waiting, checking, seeing what's going on. How do you feel? Blah, blah, blah. So making small talk with the nurses and our midwife, um, I realized that like, there's so many dads that not only sort of miss out on the opportunity to be present by, you know, sitting on the couch or, um, being at their wife's shoulder when they're pushing, Um, instead of like helping to hold a leg or like something like that. Um, they also, so like, that's, I think a real missed opportunity to be like engaged with the process. And I think a lot of that comes from fear, um, of like, well, what if I see something that makes me uncomfortable and, you know, I never think of my wife differently. Well, that could be a risk, but you know, what you're also risking is the opportunity to see your baby being born which i think is a greater risk at least that's the calculus that i ran in my head and so um i was as active as possible um even though i did have those fears like i think those are normal rational fears um like what if something goes wrong and i'm the first to see like all, all these different things and then so that's like the base level of men sort of opting out of participating women don't have the option to opt out. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's, it's a, it's skydiving. You know, you jump, however this shakes out, you're going to have to pull a shoot, pull a second shoot, pull a third shoot. And like, you don't have a choice. You can't get back on the plane. Um, But men, because we don't uh, have that sort of biological expectation, they, from having talked to the nurses, they shy away from it. They hide from it. Um, to the extent that like some dudes, they told me, they told me a story about a guy who like brought an Xbox in, played video games while his wife is laboring. Like you should be talking to your wife, <laughs> even if it's just like boring conversation. Um, or if you choose to watch TV, we, I close the cabinets of the television. Um, cause that's how, that's the kind of guy I am. I am. I'm not a mindless television slob. <laughs> No, I watch TV. I watch TV every day. How about that? But for this, I was like, let's just close the TV. I don't even want to be able to see the thing because it's just to be a distraction. Um, but e- even if even if that is the choice you make to like, let's watch something. Like, let's get our minds off this. Like, let's kind of relax. Then you should be doing, like, it shouldn't be her watching you play Call of Duty. Do you know what I mean? While she's scrolling on her phone or just like waiting for you to engage with her. Um, and then another uh, nurse Maybe it was the same nurse, but doesn't matter. They told me that a guy was like sitting on the couch. Ca- wife was put, or mom was pushing, which is an in- that's the intensity. That's the intense moment. He's sitting on the couch, having a snack. Dude, was like eating, eating Chick Fil A sandwiches or something. Like, come on, bro. Come on, like in between waffle fries. Like you got it, babe. Blah 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 blah. blah. It's insane. So like that's another layer of this, but then another, a a layer underneath that is like, I'd never changed a diaper in my entire life. Um, I don't think I've held had held an infant. I definitely hadn't swaddled a baby and I haven't washed a baby. I hadn't uh, used the little, like the plunger nose plunger thing, like all these different things. And when we were in there, I was like, you got, I want to learn everything. Teach me everything. Um, and like we had, you know, taken online courses and like tried to educate ourselves, but there's an, there's an extent that like, you know, a paid YouTube ad or paid YouTube video doesn't show you what you like, the tactile sensation of having a baby and trying to swaddle them. But, you know, I think a lot of dads, they just opt out and they're like, baby got this right. Um, and we expect so little of fathers. So like the base level of what I was doing, which was. Changing diapers, bringing the baby to my wife who was recovering from a C section, uh, all these different things, like, and asking questions of the nurse and the midwife and the OB. Like, they're like, you guys, you guys are tuned in. And I'm like, dude, this is not, I'm not, this is not, I'm not doing something impressive. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is just very base level stuff. Um, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's that, um, I don't know what it is about the culture that creates a situation where fathers choose to like opt out. I think fundamentally come coming back to like what my like experience as a teacher is specifically a yoga teacher is that people are very uncomfortable with the present moment and they spend most of their life trying to hide away from the fact that like right now, whatever you're doing, listening to this, you're doing something You're in the moment and you're doing it. And we create all these patterns in our head, these habits in our head, where we jump out of the present moment and distract ourselves from it. Because I think, and I wrote about this on my blog, I think the reason that people are constantly jumping out of the present moment is because the recognition that you're in a moment and you're living your life right now implies that at some point you're going to be dead, which I know is heavy and it's dark. But the implication there is that you are not going to live forever. And if you're in this moment, it's a recognition that all moments go away. And so we live this life where we're constantly distracting ourselves. The baby just woke up. Luckily Katie's up there to help her out. I'm gonna have to wrap this in a second so I can go up. Wouldn't it be very hypocritical of me to be like, you know, fathers fathers really suck and then I'm like, uh Figured out lady i'm gonna be bo- podcasting <laughs> let me just wrap this point and then i'll um go see what's upstairs going on upstairs we constantly are hiding away from the moment that we're in and we develop habits and our culture encourages us to hide away from the present moment because it's it sells right being on your phone it sells like there's money in that And so it's not necessarily like a cabal of people trying to distract us from being our best selves. It's just profitable to distract people. And there's a desire for people to become distracted. And if you live your life in a way where you're always hiding away from the present moment, consciously or unconsciously like, Oh, this is uncomfortable. Let me do something else or not even recognizing that you're uncomfortable and just reaching for food, drink, phone, whatever. Eventually, the present moment will be foisted upon you. You will find yourself in a situation that you can't avoid being in. You have to be present for. And it'll be overwhelming if you haven't practiced just, this is what it's like to be in my body right now in this moment. And that's what meditation does. It lets you know, oh, I'm distracted by this. And in your daily life, you'll realize, oh, I'm distracting myself from something. I'm trying to hide away from you know, the stressful thing at work or boredom, just boredom, being bored. We're not allowed to be bored anymore. And fundamentally what that does, are you distracted by the baby crying? I am fundamentally what that does is it creates a system in our head that allows us to consistently hide away from the moment that we're living. So get out there, live your life. Be an active participant and practice being in the moment. Meditation, running, climbing, journaling, coloring. I don't know what you do. Find something that keeps you in the present moment because eventually you're going to want to be there for it. There's only so many beautiful moments in life. If we hide away from them, we're not going to have them. Peace out, guys.